If you want to be a premier cop, then you need to learn from the premier police training company in the land. Of course, I'm talking about Street Cop Training. They've got dozens of instructors out in the field right now, sharing their expertise in narcotics, interdiction, report writing, first aid, mental health, case law, and just quality police work. And those aren't even all the topics. There's literally something for everybody. I've attended several classes myself, and I can tell you that these folks cannot miss. Dennis Benino, the owner, is doing massive things for the world of law enforcement at a time when everyone else seems to be running away from it. Street Cop Training is literally the best in the business. Check out their private Instagram and join their law enforcement-only Facebook group to get free trainings, and then check out upcoming in-person and on-demand trainings at streetcop.com. You will not be disappointed. Did you know that in the years 2017 to 2018, the American obesity rate was over 42%? Did you further know that police officers are 25% more likely than the average American to die from obesity-related illnesses? These are diseases like diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and high blood pressure. So what do we do? Do we continue to stay victims to shift work and terrible nutrition options while going call to call? Or do we do something about it? Well, I decided to do something about it, and that's why I started working with Nick Wall Nutrition. Nick is one of less than 100 professional nutritionists in the entire United Kingdom and has worked with many professional athletes from soccer, rugby, cricket, and even Team Great Britain. And all of his plans are backed by pure scientific evidence. Eating the foods you love and losing weight doing it. No fad diets, no pills, no powders, and no god-awful detox teas. Nick is the real deal and was named Nutrition Specialist of the Year for the year 2019 to 2020. Check him out on Instagram at NickWallNutrition or NickWallNutrition.com and join Nick's team and change your life. The views and opinions expressed on the 108 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 108 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. This week on the 108 podcast, Badass Cookery with Kevin Pagan. I think that there's a whole food culture now. I think that the people that were picky, it might have just been their exposure. I want to get out there. I want to try everything, eat everything. I respect the hustle because it's something else to look forward to. I love spicy food. I mean, if I'm not like sweating and crying into my food, why am I eating it? People all over the world are struggling for like clean water, afford gas for their car, and I'm just bitching because I can't get chicken wings. There's some engineering that goes into maintaining structural integrity of our food. We define ourselves by what we do and not who we are. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is going to be a fun episode for everyone listening. This is going to be something totally different. Welcome to the 108 Podcast. I'm your host, 108. And today on the show, we're going to have something fun. We're going to have something different. We're having a cook show, guys. We've never had that before. Um, I don't know how long you've been following me. If you follow the Instagram, maybe you found me by accident. I don't know. But I've always tried to like sprinkle in a little bit of food here and there. 
I enjoy food. I do food polls every once in a while. And then I get pissed off because the people that follow me are so predictable. And then just pick, like, you know, what, you know, the mainstream would say they're going to pick, you know. Um, but I enjoy food. I enjoy cooking. I found cooking at a very young age. No, not a young age. Um, leading into the police academy, that's where I found out uh, that I enjoyed cooking. And today, my guest is Kevin Pagancop. He has written the book called Badass Cookery and Shenanigans. He is a dispatcher, and so he's got the first responder aspect of it. He's got, you know, we've had people on that have written books. We've had uh, episode uh, number three was Bill Morrow, and he wrote The Stoic Cop. We've had Chris Matakis. He's written a lot of books. We've had Tom Rizzo on a couple times. He's written a a bunch of books. Actually, we've had him on once. We're going to have him on in a few weeks, and then we're going to have him the following week. Stay tuned for that. Um, But we've had people that write books, you know, and and that's great. This is going to be the first person on that has written a cookbook. And it's not Rachel Ray. It's not Bobby Flay. It is Kevin Pagenkopp. It's so cool. And we had a lot of fun conversations talking about different types of food, different bar food, different whatever. So you guys are going to have a great time. Hope you guys are going to enjoy it. I had a great time. And if you guys really enjoyed it, we'll do a part two and we'll try to get like more of the listenership involved. And, um, who knows? Maybe we'll even do like, we'll open up a zoom. We'll have people just come in. I'll, you know, whoever wants to partake, I'll send you the zoom link and I'll give you a time and be like, Hey, from, you know, let's say 1030 to 1045, we get 15 minutes, like hit us with a food take and we'll talk about it. Boom. And we'll go to the next one. That could be the entire episode. That'd be fucking sick. Let's do that. Let's plan that. Anyway, before I get ahead of myself, uh, it's gotta be the vodka talking, but <laughs> let's, uh, let's go into the talk with Kevin Pakencop. This is absolutely amazing guys. Hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, here's my interview with Kevin Pakencop and we're going to intro it with uh, a band that I booked back when I did show promotion. This is General Sal's Fury and their song, Serial Time. When I wake up in the morning and my mouth is dry, guess what? It's cereal time. When I wake up in the morning, I got boogers in my eye, guess what? It's cereal time. Yeah, I don't really want to Gentlemen, it is time. I hope you guys are in for a, uh, a different type of episode. This is kind of one of the episodes that I was looking forward to the most uh, because I've always tried to inter, uh, interject my foodie side. And every time I get a guest on, we kind of touch on it a little bit, uh, but they don't go as hard in the paint as I would like to. So luckily, I've got my man Kevin here and we are going to talk food today because uh, not, you know, Kevin, not every episode can be raw, raw, thin blue line cop stuff. 
there's another side to it. And actually, not many people know this, but the very first 108 experience that I set up or in my mind was 108 Eats. And I was just going to do a food blog. And I was just thinking of like, because who knows better where to eat in the location than cops, right? Because cops go to all the different restaurants. They know which ones are shady. They know which ones have the good food. They know what's like appropriately priced. And that was my idea. It just never came to fruition. And and here we are with 108 Memes and, and now the podcast. So hopefully everyone's excited. I'm excited. But first and foremost, Kevin, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking some time this evening and chatting with me. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I've, I've been looking forward to this all day. <laughs> my goal is everybody that listens to this should be hungry. We should, let, yeah. should get everybody hungry for food. I hope they're hungry. I hope they're interested in trying new stuff. It's just great. That's that's kind of how I feel about it. Uh, and I was never really a foodie growing up. I, um, you know, I was my I, I was in an Italian household, so you just ate what mom put on the table, and if you didn't, then you starved for the night. That was it. Um, and it wasn't until I got into my late teens and early twenties where I started to like go out on my own in college and everything and really start to explore food options a little bit. But really like my mid twenties was really when, you know, I started making my own money and I could, you know, travel a little bit and try to find different types of food and, and whatever. And now all I, all I want to do is just go to different places, try the local food there. What's good, what's hot. And that's it. And then, and then make it myself too. When I, I taught myself how to cook, in the police academy or right before the police academy, because I was trying to lose weight. My family was not, so they weren't eating the good stuff. And I was, so I uh, had to learn how to cook. So I did. And then in that time I was, um, you know, I was trying different things. The first meal I made that I remember was chicken tikka masala because I was watching the big bang theory. And I was like, I've never had that before. I want to try it. And, and they talk about it all the time and I made it and it was great. It's like one of my key dishes now. So how did, well, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. I'm just, I'm so excited to talk food. So let's, tell me about you. How long, um, tell, tell me about who you were, who you are, what you do, and we'll kind of go from there. And you, you had me a tikka masala. And for someone that is going to jump into the cooking game, I mean, you just pushed the chips all in on that. I did. I did. And, and let me tell you, it was, uh, it was an experience. I remember reading the recipe. I was like, oh, this doesn't sound too bad. And then I made it. And I was like, holy shit, I like so many things are happening at once. And but now I love it. I make it all the time. Yeah, we've got some similar background there. I, I grew up in an Italian family, so it was all Sicilian cooking. We didn't eat out a whole lot. It was always family around the table eating and same thing, developed a passion for it. Probably, I don't know, late teens, early 20s and just a, something you did around the house. And I thought the same thing too, like being in public safety, who knows more about food? Because right. fire gets all, I mean, oh, you're a firefighter, you know how to cook and barbecue and that's the life. But I think you're ruling out the whole EMS side, law enforcement mm-hmm. side, and, you know, being a dispatcher, we know how to eat. For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We, um. well, now I've made the switch to dispatch. So I sit in the room and it's different. This is, this is a different setup than I'm familiar with, even before I made the switch to the room, our dispatchers got to take breaks. They got to go out and uh, and do it, go get their lunches or whatever. My girlfriend, she's a dispatcher. She gets lunch breaks, but my agency is so small that we just don't. We just, you know, everything's ordered in or we got to get an officer to bring it. So that, that kind of stifles it a little bit. But back when I was a cop, 
we would do Sunday dinners. Like every Sunday that we would uh, work, we would try to do Sunday dinners. And my my Sunday gravies were infamous, or not infamous. They were famous. You know, they were world renowned. Oh yeah. You know, I made it to. I had an, a lieutenant from North Jersey, just like me, and uh, he was very skeptical. He's like, "There's no way a guy with your I have a Polish last name with your last name can make Sunday gravy. And I'm like, trust me, I'm more than 50% Italian. I got this. And sure enough, I made it. He goes, I don't like eating other people's cooking. That was good. Yeah. And and I got the German last name and mm-hmm. I'm cooking Italian. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's talk well, about not I'm, judging a, a book by its cover, right? I, I think of like back when I was a dispatcher and, and working the line and all the potlucks and all the food we'd, we'd rely on somebody else to bring in and I, I missed out because now you've got all these delivery apps, DoorDash and Uber Eats and mm-hmm. whatever else is out there. You can get anything. You get Thai food, sushi. I mean, mm-hmm. anything you want brought into the center for you. So the days of, you know, like just pizza or fast food, I missed that bubble. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's nice. Don't get me wrong. Like the options are nice, but you pay for it too. Everything is so upcharged on DoorDash and things like that. Oh, where for real. You know, you're getting a pizza and it's like 40 bucks or something crazy. It was, <laughs> the other day I, I came home and I was like, man, I could really go for a pizza. And I'm, I'm new here, so I don't really know what's good. So I went to DoorDash and I found the local pizza place. And yeah, if I wanted a pizza, it was going to be extraordinarily priced. And I was like, well, that's not going to do it. No, no, thank you. Yeah, that that's true. Plus, it, it becomes you can rely on it too much. I mean, I mm-hmm. like cooking. I like cooking yeah. from scratch. That's that's fun. I know it's not everybody's jam, but. You have all these delivery apps, and it's just your your go to. Like, right. man, I don't remember the last time I cooked some because I get it brought right to my door. Yeah, and that's that's the the hell I'm in right now. Like working nights or working rotating shifts or whatever, you kind of get stuck with the whole meal prep thing. Like especially like right now, I'll be off this weekend, prime time to meal prep and do some cooking and actually like cook a nice sit down dinner for the family. But then the following week, where it's my where it's my long work week, where I you know I have two days off and that's it. You bet you're you know you're you're kind of stuck. You know, hopefully that meal prep can last you two weeks, which it probably won't. So then you know that's that's when that following week is like, all right, let me uh, let me go DoorDash something, and you know it's just so expensive. And um, so how did how did you so actually prep- go ahead go ahead? No, no, I was going to say that the meal prep is where it's at. I feel like everybody's doing that to make their work week easier. Um, I was going to ask you. For me, prep is zen. Like, if I'm having a bad day, I'm stressed out, just the thought of, like, chopping veggies, doing your prep work, getting into it, like, puts me in a good mood. See, and for me, prep, <clears throat> like, meal prep, like, for the week, it's it's work for me. It's like, I, that's how I see it. It is not relaxing. Now, if I'm cooking, like, a, a meal for dinner, like, a nice whatever, that I enjoy. I enjoy taking the single meal and really putting a lot into it. Uh, even something as simple as like burgers on the grill. Like I make sure they're seasoned right. Make sure the patties are right. Uh, you know, I want to make sure the buns and the cheeses and all are, are to my uh, specifications. And I, I take pride in that. And when I when I put that on the table, whoever I'm serving it to, it means a lot to me when they say, hey, that was really good or I appreciate it. Or even better, there's silence because everyone's just eating. You know, they, they're not like avoiding putting food in their mouth, yeah. you know? And especially like my nieces and nephews uh, they, who I used to cook for all the time, highly picky eaters. So picky. When I made like chicken tikka masala or some of the other ones that I tried along the way, couldn't make it for them. They would not try it. But over time, 
I start cooking a little less exotic and then we try it and they might turn their nose up to it and then they try it. And then before you know it, they devour the plate. That's like a giant compliment to me. Like, ha, even the picky eater likes this one. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the opposite of that. I never met a food I didn't like. I am opposite of picky. Yeah, so I, I've i definitely gotten a better uh, broad palate. Um, I still won't eat mushrooms. I just can't do it. I just, I don't know what it is. They, they just, they gross me out. Um, except just the other day, we had mushrooms for dinner or within our dinner. There were giant mushrooms. Put those to the side. But there were like tiny, like chopped up ones. I was like, all right, I'm going to mix them in the sauce it's in and I'll, I'll ignore the fact that they're there. And that was that. But for the most part, if it comes with mushrooms, it is not for me. Other than that, I like to say I've become much more open-minded with food. Yeah, I think that there's a whole food culture now. So I, I'll share this about myself. Uh, I, I grew up in Wisconsin, probably typical suburban mid- Midwestern upbringing, uh, not going to complain. Other than the cold, it was awesome. But it is a steak and potatoes town or the Friday night fish fry. Mm, okay. Got to get down on that. And then moving out of there, going to different states, I traveled a lot. It opened up different culture. And I see that more now. You've got social media, all the mm-hmm. cooking shows on television, uh, the delivery apps. People travel a lot more now. So I think that growing up and people that were picky, it might have just been their exposure. Absolutely. Now, yeah, people are getting into all this stuff that, you know, I saw this post on Instagram and I got to mm. try tikka masala or yeah, yeah. never had kimchi before. Let me find a place to get that this weekend. I mean, like sushi. Yeah, I think there was like one sushi spot, like all of Milwaukee growing up. And now it's like Starbucks. There's probably one on every corner where I live. Right. Yep. You're absolutely right. And that was kind of the way with like Thai food and all the other kind yeah. of like Eastern, yeah. um, you know, the, the Asian cultures and everything. Like uh, the first time I had noodles, which was not very long ago, only a couple of years ago. And but the person that introduced it to me, she was a big, you know, uh, ramen foodie and she just loved it. And she always, she like posted it all over her Instagrams and stuff. And I've since gotten used to it. But at first I was like, no, nah, this isn't for me, but you know, you, you learn that way and you, you know, more exposure. And I think that's what definitely helped my familiarization with different foods. I remember being in uh, New York city and the girl I was seeing her friend took us to a sushi restaurant. I had no idea what I was doing. And he literally <laughs> ordered me like, 10 pieces off the menu. He's like, you'll figure out something you'd like. And I did. And I did. And it's, I had to wear, I had to have those uh, chopsticks with the rubber band at the top to like, <laughs> oh, get yeah. them right. but, uh, and now, now I love sushi. So. Yeah. I also feel like good rule of thumb is I don't ever give up on anything after one try. Like I'll try mm. it at least twice. Cause That's you know, like you're in different moods, mm-hmm. sometimes different places do something a little bit different. And Maybe some I didn't care for one day. I tried a month later and it, it's delicious. So I, it is definitely a, an adventure. It's not just mm-hmm. a, a casual hobby. I want to get out there. I want to try everything, sure. eat everything. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know I've um, I've haven't traveled internationally as much as I want to. But the only place I've gone is Ireland, and I talk about it quite a bit. And the thing with Ireland, I chose it completely at random. That was not on my list of places I wanted to travel. But it just happened to work with the the days I had available. So I went. And, okay, again, like wanting to try different foods. And you think of cuisine. Irish isn't really high up on that list. At least it wasn't for me at the time. So we land. And, well, beforehand, I did some homework. And I was like, all right, what's Irish food? Like, I want, I don't want to go there and eat McDonald's. Like, I want to 
experience authentic stuff. So I go there and have you ever been there? Do you know anything about Irish cuisine at all? I have never been on my list, but I feel like the entire time I was there, I would be nothing but like Guinness, Jameson and Red Breast. It would just be a drinking okay. tour. Okay. Yes. So lots of Guinness, but <laughs> so one of their things is the Irish breakfast. Like it's a whole, it's a huge plate. Um, you get uh, the bacon there. It's almost like, um, it's almost like a ham. And then you've got uh, fried eggs, mushrooms. Of course, I didn't get that. Some uh, tomatoes. And then they have this thing called black and white pudding. It is not pudding. It's more of a sausage. It's um. So I, I look at I looked it up. It's disgusting looking, but it's literally black and white, and it's like cut into little sausage rounds. Well, the black pudding is blood pudding. It's basically like coagulated and spiced blood. And then the white pudding is almost like haggis. So it's like sheep and or cow intestine and all that stuff. But I was like, all right, now listen, I'm going to get stuff. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm literally going, all right, you don't ask how the sausage is made. You just eat it. And I'm going with an open mind. So I sure enough, I did and didn't care for the blood pudding, but I actually enjoyed the white pudding. So I was like, all right, I can't, I ate it and I enjoyed it. I can't say that I, it was gross because I know what's in it. I had to suck it up. But yes, lots of lots of Guinness. I didn't have as much Jameson as I probably would have now. But imagine we were in a tour group of about thirty people, maybe. Imagine everybody in their like mid twenties drinking nothing but Guinness for the first three days. That was a stinky, stinky tour bus. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Haggis is another one, and that probably freaks everybody out. It's on my list. We got to knock it down one of these days. Try it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not. I'm not too much in the like the weird stuff you see like in the in the Far East or in like Africa and stuff like where they eat, you know, like I can't even think of stuff. But I've read different travel blogs. and I'm like, no, I, I think I'd cross the line at that one. One of one of my travel and food inspirations is Henry Rollins. He used to front the punk band Black Flag and he. Oh, yeah. he he uh he talks a lot about traveling and getting out there and seeing places that most people don't want you to see or whatever. And so I was reading and listening to him talk and he said the one thing is like if it looks seedy, don't trust it. Like if 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 it gives you the heebie-jeebies just because it's local, don't trust it because you might get diarrhea, you might get dysentery. Don't 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 try to be that guy. And I was like, "Oh, okay. So if it if it does give me like the, you know, the hair on the back of my neck, I'm going to I'm going to avoid it." So you did a, you did another great uh, podcast, uh, Punk Rock Cops. Yes. So I think you combine Ten Eight Food with Punk Rock Cops, and you've got Punk Rock Food. Ooh, okay. I like I like where that's Just going. The badass of all the cuisine, the stuff that freaks everybody else out. Yeah. We eat it live. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're I think we're onto something. We will get some like music in the back and everything. Uh, have you seen like uh, like the Hot Ones videos where they try all those like super hot wings and stuff like that? Love it. Love yeah. spicy food. Do you? Okay. I I okay. Yeah, so I, I couldn't run the cycle. Yeah, I couldn't run the, the cycle they they put their guests through. Mm-hmm. Like I'd make it to about I don't know <laughs> level seven or eight, and then I'd be tapping out. But mm-hmm. I still love it. I mean, if I'm not like sweating and crying into my food, why am I eating it? Okay. Okay. Now, what do? What is your opinion on like heat versus taste? Because my my thing is, I want it to have a nice flavor to it, not just overwhelming heat. 
And that's like, I will suck up some like really intense heat as long as it's tasty. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad you said that. That's, the, that's another thing that all over social media, these spice challenges and heat challenges and different manufacturers coming out with hotter hot sauces and it doesn't taste like anything. Like right. if it's legitimately burning your tongue, then why are you doing it? So the whole right. capsaicin oil and you got like a little eyedropper to put it in there. I think that's garbage. I, yeah. I want it to taste good. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, just like those, uh, all the different Carolina Reaper challenges, like they take the dust and they put it on little peanuts or chocolates or whatever. I'm like, come on, man, that's that's stupid. I, My buddy, he posted a video of him and his canine buddies doing the peanut challenge. And they just, you know, it goes up in, in levels. And I mean, it was funny, but why are you literally going to put yourself through so hot as making you throw up? And it's a peanut. Like, come on. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, we, we we haven't gotten into the hypothetical questions yet, and I'm sure that's coming, but I'll knock one down right now. Sure. Right? The, the one food for the rest of your life, and that's tough because there's so many different categories, but love buffalo wings. Don't know yeah. what it is. I could just get down on those all the time. And I've had some hot ones, but if, if you can't finish them, then you're not eating. You're, yeah, yeah. You're, you're tasting for somebody else's am- amusement, and God forbid they've got you on like the camera phone because you know that's going viral. Right. Like I want it hot, but I want it to taste good. Right. I typically stop at around a medium, whatever the medium is, because that's typically enough heat, but it's usually got enough taste to it where I'm like, all right, that's that's not bad. I, could I go to hot or extreme? Sure, but would I enjoy it? Probably not. And if I'm like. Yeah. If I'm there sitting at the bar, because typically that's where I'm going to get wings from, and I'm just like, uh, it, it reminds me of uh, pepper spray day. Like, I, I'm good. I, I already experienced that. I got the medal. I'm good. I don't need to do that again, especially OC wings. Oof, no, thank you. They, uh, my training officer that, that that sprayed us, he said that he has no um, adverse effect to OC spray. He said, you could spray that in my chili and I really wouldn't care. And I'm like, you're insane. Yeah. Because it's technically, always... it's technically food grade. So, I mean, you could, I, I wouldn't. There's always people out there that just have the, the highest tolerance for stuff like that. And like, I don't know, I'm, I'm in the middle. I'm not yeah. going to win any contests, but I got to like what I'm eating. Yeah. And I, I agree completely with that. Um, and you talk about wings, like all these, these, these food shortages these days, it's so hard to find like a decently priced chicken wing. Like it's, it's insane. Yeah. I, I mean, remember back in the day, like you go to the store and you'd have to ask the butcher for wings. They, they mm-hmm. weren't even out. They were like, you know, the garbage pieces after they broke the bird down. Now, man, it's like almost as much as a steak. Yeah. Uh, and lately with all the supply chain issues, you can't even get them. Yeah, I uh, I ordered. I was trying to get wings the day of the Super Bowl, and they were for boneless, for boneless wings, which are just chicken nuggets. But if I'm in a dispatch center, I can't really eat wings the way I want to, so I, you know, I got to use a fork. Um, it was a dollar a wing. I'm like, are you kidding me? I remember going to a bowling alley growing up, and they were a nickel, a, a real wing, you know. And you're charging me a dollar yep. for a chicken nugget? Nah, nah, not working for me. Yeah, pe- people all over the world are struggling for like clean water, afford gas for their car, and I'm just bitching because I can't get chicken wings. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's very true. But I mean, you know, okay, that okay, I'll stop bitching about chicken wings then. That was <laughs> the wind out of my sails. Now you've got you've got your cookbook, uh, badass cookery and shenanigans, right? Yeah, uh, that was that was an interesting in- endeavor in my life. How'd that, how'd that all come about? Oh, uh, well, 
So I've I've been in, in dispatch for about 20 years, and I, I ran the tour. I've started as a dispatcher, then became a training officer, was a supervisor. I'm currently a comm manager, uh, but I always gravitated towards like QA and training. Okay, uh, which opened some doors for me uh, with the International Academies of Emergency Dispatch. Uh, so anyone that's not familiar with that, it's a like a research, education, and standard setting entity that provides uh, dispatch protocols mm-hmm. that are in use at a lot of agencies. So when I wasn't working my day job for the last 10 years, I've been really fortunate to be able to travel around the country and provide uh, training to different dispatchers. And I felt like whatever state or province I was in, whoever I was talking to, and you have this amazing opportunity to, to talk to your peers, we all have the same challenges. Like, I feel like all of the centers are understaffed, overworked. We're working long hours, high stress. I feel like we have really poor coping mechanisms. Sure. And I just, I don't know, I saw myself burning out. And I didn't want to be that guy, especially as an instructor. I didn't, I didn't want to be that guy. And, you know, anytime you walk into like a new agency and you have to meet somebody, you stand up in front of the room and you're doing training. Um, and I guess it's not even specific to what we do. It could be anybody's job. People ask you like, you know, Hey, you know, who are you? What do you do? What are you all about? I feel like we tend to talk about our jobs. Mm -hmm. Like we Mm -hmm. define ourselves by what we do and not who we are. And that was a weird like takeaway for me. Like this light bulb went off that, yeah, I do this thing and I like it and I feel like I'm pretty good at it. But at the end of the day, um, I mean, I like travel and I like movies. I like writing and photography. I mean, I love my wife and my family. I got a great dog uh, on the weekends. I'm usually like grilling, barbecuing, rocking the smoker and felt like maybe that is a better coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of started chipping away at a, a cookbook idea, writing down different recipes, taking pictures of food, trying to make it a little bit different, nerd it up a little bit with movie <laughs> quotes, and Star Wars references. And you know, the whole intent of it was just for my own mental health. Something to do after coming home from work and on weekends to de-stress because I do, I find it relaxing like, mm-hmm. and enjoyable. I just started putting this book together and was really just going to be for the family as kind of just a, you know, a love note to the people that got to put up with me. Mm-hmm. But after the amount of time and energy that went into it, I thought I'm going to publish this thing and, and put it out there. So it's still a little, I don't know, odd to put yourself out in, in that format, sure. especially since it, it started from a very different reason. But uh, ultimately, I don't know. I think it's a little bit different. It's not your, your typical cookbook sure no it's definitely not i remember i got my copy and i'm standing in the kitchen i think we were meal prepping or something and i'm reading just different quotes out of it and i'm like this is so different like you know typically you go like now i guess our our the modern cookbook is like pinterest where you like look up a recipe you got to scroll through the person's gigantic blog about what inspired them to make this oh, casserole yeah. and then you get the recipe but no one reads that because it's not engaging it's like oh well you know i found that it was very interesting stop but then i read your book i was like this is so different this is this is fun i mean you know and, and then not only that the another thing that i really liked about when i was thumbing through it was that you kind of gave 
insight about different like cuts of meat, different things with shrimps or prawns or whatever. And it was, it was different. And, and I felt like I was learning a little bit about the food as well. And you can see that it was definitely well put together and well thought out. So it's, it's definitely great. And you're right. You know, when you, something I always say is that your career or your profession is not your personality trait. Um, and so many people live and die literally or figuratively by what they do for their profession. And you're right. It's not just in public safety. It is universal. I think just because, you know, a lot of times we spend more time at our job than at home and with our coworkers than with our family. And so it starts to, you know, mold into this, like it becomes your identity because it's all you're around or, you know, you're around more than, uh, than not. And I feel like everyone needs to have a hobby. And they say that to you, right? When you start, it's like, hey, you know, you got a hobby? What do you do for fun? And I'm always like, I, I don't, nothing. Like, I just, I enjoy not being at work. And that's pretty cool for me. But you start, I think after a while, you start realizing the importance of actually having your thing. And some people, it's crafting. Some people, it's writing. Some people, it's photography, whatever. And it's just so important. My thing is like, I I'm my, my trip to Ireland. Yes. It, it cultivated some food love to me, but it was really, it triggered craft beer. Like I became a craft beer guy. And, uh, I, I said to my, one of my newest coworkers, he was like, what do you do when you're not at work? I was like, I really like traveling and trying different beers and trying different types, but I try to keep it local. He goes, ah, so when you're off here, your big thing is alcohol. I can I can support that. I was like, yes, but I was like, well, there's so much more to it than just hey, let's get drunk. I'm like, I, I I taste the beer and I like I know like what I taste and you know I try to keep it because again, it's kind of goes into that food realm where it's like you know you taste the different flavors and you start and just today or yesterday, two days ago, I just bottled my first homebrew. So I mean, it's. Now that's become a different form of the hobby. So now I'm not only trying and tasting, but I'm now I'm making it and it's adding something more to it. So you're absolutely right. And hopefully everyone listening, you know, if cooking's their thing or whatever, they, they realize like it's cool to run with these things. Yeah, and with everything that's happened in the country in the last couple of years in the pandemic, I feel like a lot of people have come to the same conclusion for a number of different reasons, but life is short, it's just a job. And, and like, we need it. Like you got a mortgage, you got bills, you got gas for the car. We need the job. Uh, but everybody's getting into, into a side hustle. And whether that's, I don't know, cooking, brewing beer, like selling candles, painting, singing, putting a band together, whatever it is, like I respect the hustle because it's something else to look forward to and get passionate about. It just keeps your head, head on straight. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I want to talk food. I, I don't want to talk too much about about dispatch because you probably lose half of your <laughs> your, your <laughs> yeah. listeners. But it, it's a tough job, and it's it's hard not to bring it home. Especially, sure. you know, there's a lot of agencies that work twelves. I used to work twelves. It's a long shift, and when you come home, you don't have the energy. And it's really easy for everybody to say, "Oh, when you get off work, you know, yoga, like go jogging, go to the gym." Absolutely, hundred percent but I'm beat until you get there. Right. Until you get to the end of that 12. Yeah. yeah, you get Held over. And so now you're working 14, six, whatever it is, like you're legitimately beat. And so 
whatever everybody does is is great. I'm not here to preach, but for me, it was just finding something other than work to to put my time and, and energy into, and never really set out to to get a book out there. But mm-hmm. it was it was good. It kept me healthy. It was enjoyable. And there's really no downside to it because <laughs> your whole finished product, you're you're eating. Mm-hmm. Like, tell yeah. my wife, give me five minutes to shoot some pictures of this crap, and then we're eating it. Yeah, right, done. absolutely. Next yep. I, I tell my I tell my girlfriend all the time whenever we make something like from scratch, I'm like, hold on a second, hold on, camera eats first. Let me let me take a quick picture of it. Um, yes, we're gonna go right into food. Um, I just wanted to have one last cap statement on that. Because I've noticed, and I made this comment to my my girlfriend, who I said is a dispatcher. She's been doing it uh, eight years now. Um, Working the road, you're exhausted, right? When you get home, you're exhausted. Just plop on the couch. I need 10 minutes, an hour, whatever to decompress. I thought going to dispatch, I wouldn't have that problem. I was like, oh, I'm just sitting and, you know, clicking some buttons, making some phone calls. No big deal. But I never realized the amount of mental tiredness that comes from it. And I wasn't expecting that. And yes, exactly. Like you said, I would come home from a shift and even working days, people say like, Oh, well, you've got all night to do things, bro. I sit on that couch and I will play some video games. I'll watch some TV, whatever, just to like, huh. and now luckily I just got into CrossFit. Oh, I, <laughs> I dropped the dirty word. I haven't told anyone about that, but <laughs> I just did. And so now that's my thing right after work, I go do that. So that way I get something you know, going, and then I come home and I just plop on the couch and do nothing, but it's, it's okay. Um, but now we kind of tease a little food. We got a little serious. Now we're going right into the main course. See what I did there. That's called a pun. Oh, uh, <laughs> dish it out. Now there it is. And we're going to talk some food. Now, everybody gave me some food ideas. I have a bunch of food ideas. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts that I was listening to for probably six months and they stopped doing it was called the pantry boys. It was just these two guys. They're just bro dudes, and they just talk food. And they talk about silly food, too. It's not like they're like, oh, the, the finest wine. No, they're just two frat guys, and they just talk about, like, one of their, for a half hour in one of their episodes, they talked about their favorite types of bottled water. Like, totally silly stuff. I love it. Like, it was so mindless, and I could listen to it and laugh and just have a great time. Unfortunately, they, they stopped making the podcast, but I can always go back and listen to them. Or I can take what they talked about and ask my friend Kevin here, hey, what do you think about this? So I stole a couple of their uh, pieces, and we're going to discuss them if you're, if you're interested. Yeah, you're, you're the one that got me turned on to them. So we got to pick up where they left off. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's start with, and, and then we're going to get into some listeners too, but what would you say is your top five bar foods? Top five bar foods. Well, wings, number one. Wings are going to be number one, sure. Um, oh, sucker for a, a soft pretzel. They got like soft pretzel bites. That's yes, fantastic. especially with like the in-house made beer cheese. Oh, yes. That's, that's exactly. Mm-hmm. I got to give a nod to my Wisconsin upbringing. Got to have fried cheese curds. Okay. I'm going to write that's that down because we got to come back to that yes. one. Actually, no, we'll, we'll, we'll address it while, while it's here. So, so, uh, my, one of my coworkers, one of my supervisors, actually, she's from Wisconsin and she speaks Wisconsin. Um, and she talked about cheese curds. Now I thought I had cheese curds, but I don't think I did because someone told me a long time ago that like fresh cheese curds, like if you rub them together, they'll squeak. And I haven't had that experience. They just, I, I ate them and I'm like, this tastes like a tiny, like 
like a mozzarella stick nugget. So so break down the cheese curd for us, please, because I must be missing something. Yeah, no, you're you're onto it. So cheese curds are called squeakers, and it's a different consistency. And when you're chewing it and it's hitting your teeth, it's it's got a squeak. But I feel like a lot of restaurants and bars are trying to sell fried cheese curds that are really just, what's the cheapest cheese I can get in bulk? Let me batter it and serve it up, which is just a mozzarella stick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you'll you'll know when you get a, a place that really does a good cheese curd. The squeak uh, is, the, is the juice. Oh, they're, they're pretty banging. What do you now? You don't dip it in marinara sauce. What do you dip a cheese curd in, or you just eat it plain? Uh, I do like it plain. I don't know. I feel like we did every, everything goes into ranch now. When right. did ranch dressing yeah. become yeah. the thing? Like, I don't know. I remember when we now. used to like make fun of people for dipping everything in ranch. And now I catch myself dipping absolutely everything in ranch. I'm like, no, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So what do we got? We have wings, so pretzels, your... cheese yep. curds. Yep. Um, bar food, huh? I mean, fries are such a great staple. Um, plus, you know, they, they sit in your stomach. Soak up all the alcohol so you can keep going. I mean, that's a, yeah. that's a double whammy right there. So, so with your fries, do you like the straight? What cut? First off, what cut of fry do you like? And do you like them plain or seasoned? Ooh, that's good. I like a good battered fry. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, I like, mean, like if, a beer batter fries. Those are so hard to come by. Like a good yeah, beer. If batter I'm gonna clog an artery. Like that's the way to do it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> steak fries have have all the the uh the size to them and you gotta have some seasoning on there i mean maybe we even bump fries up they're just so versatile because you dip them in anything season them in any way i agree i agree here's so this is a cold take not everyone agrees with me as a matter of fact some people like obsessively say i'm wrong but i will say that one of the best french fries out there is the arby's curly fry I think I don't think Arby's should really be in business anymore because the rest of their food I just don't enjoy. But their curly <laughs> fry is still the is still the business. Yeah, you, I mean you can't go wrong with the curly fry. I mean everybody talks about the invention of sliced bread. Who invented the curly fry? That's I mean, that's somebody the had to win some awards there. I agree. I agree. And then what, what would you what would be your number five bar food? Number five for bar food, huh? I mean, nachos, that's another staple. Yeah. But I feel like right now the other big thing is nacho fries. Like, I see that everywhere. Okay. okay. Let's dump all the nacho stuff on some fries. And you know what? I'm not opposed to it. I'm not. I, I've never had that. I feel like, so in Jersey, it's called a disco fry, which is, it's it's poutine with just a different, different ah. name, um, where you just put some gravy and some cheese on it. Delicious. But I feel like that's just like that. But my only concern with the disco or not disco fry with the nacho fry is that you get all the salsa and the sour cream and everything on there. The fry may not hold up. It's got to be a sturdy like steak fry. Otherwise, you're going to be getting into some dangerous territories here. This is true. I mean, there's there's some engineering that goes into maintaining structural integrity of bar food. Yeah, that is true. It's got to be it's got to be sturdy (laughs) enough and it's got to it's got to soak in the alcohol because but it's got to be salty enough too because they want you to buy more beer or more alcohol. So, so of the of those five, what did I miss? What would you add? So we got the wings, which, by the way, my buddy Red Gun Squad he hates wings. He thinks they're so overrated. I I disagree with him. But so you got the wings. Uh, the the pretzels a good take. I every time we go out, I try to get the pretzel. Now, we went to a brewery nearby. And they had pretzel loaves. It was literally like a tiny little roll of pretzel bread, 
So good. And it was nice and crispy on the outside, but pillowy on the inside. Delicious. And then with the beer cheese, of course. Um, what is it? I know. Here's the one you missed. Here's one that I think we could sub. Probably I would sub the nacho fries with or the nachos. Now, nachos are good, but I don't know. Sometimes I can't get the right ratio with condiment to, to chip. Sometimes you just get a plain chip and it's like, ugh, the fried pickle. Oh, how did I miss that? Yeah, I for sure. Think, yeah, I think the fried sure. pickle. Now, again, that's one that I wasn't too privy to. I like pickles. I like fried food. Why didn't they? Why didn't I address this sooner? But I finally had it. Again, you can dip it in ranch, so it's got to be good. Delicious. Absolutely delicious. Actually, there was a no. video on Facebook today of them mass-producing fried pickles. I was like, this is amazing. I, I'm going to watch it for 10 minutes. So let me ask you this. Do you go with the fried pickle spear? Or has it got to be like the slices? Like No, I like the chips. I like the chips. Me too. I feel like when you get Me the too. spear, there's way too ratio. much. Yeah, there's way too much pickle, not enough breading much on every pickle. single. Yeah. I agree. All right, so that's that's far, uh, bar food. Now, what we're going to do, just to make this fun, guys, in the Instagram post where I post this story, I'm going to make like little uh, brackets. So you can go ahead and fill in your own. It'll have mine. It'll have Kevin's. And then you can fill in your own if you differ with any of us. And this is especially going to come up uh, in a little bit. We're going to be doing some, uh, have you rate some foods, some specific foods, and you'll tell me what you think of them. And we'll see if it matches the uh, uh, 10-8 faithful here. So I got to say, that's way better than Final Four. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's see here. All right, now, how do you feel about potato chips? Are you a potato chip guy? Oh, you know, I eat everything. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not opposed to potato chip. Not not one of my favorites. Like, it's not my go-to. Okay, so if you're... Now, this is this is one of my Signal 3 questions, but I'll uh, kind of pose it to you right now. If you're just, like, chilling at the end of the night, late night, you know, watching TV in your sweatpants, new series of whatever's on Netflix, what, what's your, like, snack? What do you like to, to shovel into your, in your gullet? So at the top of my head, I'm going to have to say Gardetto's. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes a little everything in there. I, I like that. I feel like that uh, a good compliment to beer. Nice Give and me more time to, to think about it. I could probably layer on about five or six other things, but easy snack food where you just want to open a bag and get into it. Mm-hmm. Gardettos. Yeah. And I think that's, that's good. Yep. I think guilty pleasure. Sure. You, know, you gotta turn an oven on and put some effort into it. Pizza rolls. Yes, of course, of course. And pizza rolls was almost to the point of being a staple in my house. Like we would have them for meals. Like, hey, that's going to be lunch. That's going to be dinner. Like suck it up. And we did the oven. I know a lot of people, they just throw them in the microwave. Oh, oh no. No. no come on. Get the crisp. Get it to the point where it's going to burn your mouth if you eat it wrong. Yes. Just do it. Who are these savages? Oh, I know. It's crazy. I I don't understand. Or Or bagel bites. I feel like bagel bites have kind of fallen from their pedestal. They used to be like really like a go-to food, especially for like New Year's Eve parties with the family or Super Bowl parties just with the family. But they're kind of, they've fallen down, but they've always, they've never done me wrong. A bagel bite has never done me wrong. Yeah, no, it's, it's a whole skill. I mean, I, I apply for a job. I put that on my resume. I know how to eat a pizza roll without burning myself. Yeah, I, I think that's it, a necessary skill. I mean, it shows patience. It shows effort. <laughs> it's a lot of things. All right, what about – all right, we're going to go uh, to another Pantry Boy list. What about cookies? What would be your top five cookies? I'm not big into cookies. Really? Okay, yeah, so then no. I'll, I'll, I'll flip it on you. What would be your like pastry of choice or your dessert of choice, but not like an ice cream, like like a, sure. like a savory one? 
Yeah. So we feel like, you know, when it comes to, to snacks and you put it out there, people either fall into the sweet or the salty savory. Mm-hmm. Everybody seems to go chocolate, candy, cookies. Uh, I'm more of the like bag of pretzels. Popcorn would be good. Something like that. But for, for pastry, again, mm-hmm. growing up in an Italian family, uh, Pizzelli, tiramisu, mm-hmm. that's an absolute stunner right there. Um, you got the whole range, I guess, of Italian cookies. But yeah, yeah. If I if I had to go with just one, probably a tiramisu guy. Oh, okay. Cannoli. 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 Yeah. Cannoli is very good. Here's here's something that people are going to be. So in Florida, uh, the main one of the main supermarkets is Publix. I don't know if anyone listening knows knows about Publix. Publix, shut out. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe I'll get a sponsorship. But um, the the upsetting thing is they have Italian cookies. They have the assorted Italian cookies in the in the uh, bakery. That's nice. But they don't have cannolis. And I was thinking of all the things that they do have, they should carry cannolis. They have um, something that I think is something called like a pastry horn or something, which looks exactly like a cannoli but different. It's not the same. the The texture isn't there. It's it's not as good for me. I'm a big cookie guy. Like if I got a nice warm chocolate chip cookie with like a gooey middle but like a crispy edge, I'm I'm right as rain. I'm good with that. Or if we're if we're talking Italian, um the the Zeppoli. I'm a real big fan of the Zeppoli. For people that don't know what a Zeppoli is, it's basically funnel cake, but in a in like a round form. And it's just powdered sugar. It's delicious. Probably could only eat like two of them before you get into the coma, but it's it's delicious. So if we're going to talk cookies, I think you nailed the chocolate chip cookie because you've got like club crispy and club gooey chewy. Right. Now it's got, it's got to be both. It's got to be yeah, a little bit of both. It have the crunch, but it can't. Yeah, I'm with you. Right. If I, if I grab a cookie off the rack and it's still warm, it's got to be still warm. And it like, it starts to fold because it's so gooey. Perfect. And then I bite it and I can hear the crunch. That's, that's good. But if you bite it and it's like, like too chewy like it's not cooked yet no that's too that's that's not good enough yet but so one of my my bigger regrets is i had to dump the whole dessert chapter from the cookbook no Uh, why it it was it was too long you got to come in at a certain page count and so that's the one that wound up on the cutting room floor but uh yeah i'll I'll send you a chocolate chip cookie recipe you can play with tell me what you think it's all about uh the brown butter See, and I've seen I've seen different Instagram posts where they say, you know, this is what a cookie looks looks like with too much flour, too much salt, blah 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 blah. So I'm very interested in seeing seeing that aspect of it. All right, so I'm going. Speaking of Instagram, I am going to it for some listener questions. Hold on a second as I pull it up. Here we go. I said, "Foodies assemble." Here's what we got. First one uh, from someone out in California wants to know: Do you deliver? <laughs> <laughs> Depending on where they are in California, I might. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, this is this is now when I again, I, I judged the book by its cover when I saw your last name, I was like, "Oh boy, we're, I got a lot of Italian questions here." And I was like, "Ah, oh, he's not going to know." But now I know that you know and I know. So this is going to be a good one. They want to know how do you make sauce or gravy? What what is what is your mojo with it? Now, if you say anything about going to the ragu jar, we're going to end this conversation and we're going to forget it ever happened. <laughs> yeah, you just you just open the jar, you put the jar in the microwave, right? and that's it. Yeah. So, you know, I'll get pretentious for a little bit. I feel like there is a difference between a sauce and a gravy. Okay. And I've 
you understand the real traditional Sicilian gravy, you're talking about more than one meat is starting off that stock. It is an all day investment yes. of simmering down and, you know, we're, that's what it's all about. If you got to yes. wait for it, you know, it's good. Yep. That's, that's great. I'm going to, that's going to be at the header of the show because I get it in all the time. A friend of mine back home will get angry with me about the whole sauce and gravy thing. And I said, no, 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 no. And I thought about it when I was cooking it one day for, for the family. I was like, no, you know, for a gravy and this, I mean, I had meatballs and sausage and, and pork and all these different things. And I was like, that's the meal. The, the saw, the gravy is the meal. The pasta just happens to be the vessel that you put it on to get it in your mouth. But the, the true effort is in, is in the gravy itself. But if you're just going to do tomato sauce where you just, you know, take a few crushed tomatoes, add some seasoning and call it a day. That's sauce. Yeah. And you know, what else I've noticed is I feel like there's a large portion of the population, like at least in this country that considers pasta, the side dish that you have your thing for dinner and then pasta on the side. Yes. That's the meal. That's the main dish. That's the, that's the olive garden society. Because no. you go to Olive Garden and they're like, oh, well, you know, you're going to get your chicken parm and a side of spaghetti. No, 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 no. And then you yeah, get you like, don't... and then they're, they like, they talk down to you like, oh, you want the spaghetti and meatballs? You stupid. And like, no, no, I just, <laughs> I want more pasta than just like this tiny little bowl. Yeah. You don't make the pasta, put it in a bowl and then dump your sauce on top. Like no. it is I went to bring together. Yeah. I went to a very nice uh, Italian restaurant, not like a five star or anything, but it was nice. It wasn't Olive Garden. It wasn't Carabas. It was, it was a nicer. And, and, um, I got uh, some chicken franchise and for the side, it could be, um, a bunch of different things. And I want it. I wanted some, uh, penny in, in red sauce. And it, it literally tastes like it was out of the can. I was so frustrated. The chicken franchise was great, but literally just the, the waiter went, he, I, I think he did what you did. He just opened up the jar, put it in the microwave and threw it, uh, on some, on some noodles. And I was like, this is terrible. It, it totally ruined the rest of the meal. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, before everybody thinks I'm like a total pretentious asshole, like I do have more than one recipe. I mean, there's mm-hmm. your Sunday gravy that you're going to spend all day on. And right. that's it. That's your whole meal. And then there's the like Wednesday night, got home from work. Let me just throw some stewed tomatoes and some garlic in a pan and do like, you know, 40 minute sauce. Right. And that's I agree. okay. Yep. I did uh, the other day I was, I was at the in-laws house and my girlfriend's daughter wanted to make lasagna and they were like, but it has to be your sauce. They said to me, it has to be your sauce. And I was like, all right, but it's going to be an all day thing. So we better, we got to plan ahead. So I think I put it on at 11 AM and it cooked all day till about five or six. And that's when we made the lasagna and put it in the oven just so people understand. And that was just a meat sauce. Like I didn't, you know, and, but I, I wanted it. I had to, I had to impress them. Like I said, when I put it on the table, I need that, that positive feedback. Um, so for people wondering, just kind of, I'm going to do a video. I've been asked by a couple different pages when I share a picture of my, of my, you know, Sunday gravy, they want the full recipe. So I'll do it. No cookbook here, but I'll, I'll share it. But basically for me, do you okay? Do you use fresh tomatoes or do you take them from a can? That's like the big debate, I guess. I take them from the can, okay. um, but I am not always gonna go and spend the money on San Marzano. I mean, that's the big gotta mm-hmm. do it. But I cook with what I got. That's true. That's true. I um, I feel the same way. Um, 
I know one day I would like to take just like a bushel of tomatoes and make jar sauce that way just to, you know, from scratch, boil them. I've watched a bunch of videos how to do it. I would like to do that. I'd like to really try my hand at it, but I'm not there. Uh, so, yes, I take the cans, pour them in. Uh, the recipe I have. So my mom passed away before I got to know how she made her sauce. So I had to go to the Internet and kind of find one that I really liked and I tweaked it the way I do it. And now it's I mean, it's I've never gotten a complaint going, oh, this tastes like garbage. It's good. And I feel like once you get that, then you start passing it down. And that's how traditions are made. So I agree. So oh, everyone- yeah. absolutely. People ask, like, you really spend all day making a gravy or making a sauce. And I actually have this this story in the cookbook. But the first time I went to, like, one of my buddy's houses for a holiday, it was so formal. Like you're just waiting around to sit at this beautiful dining room table to eat. Everybody's starving. They serve everything at once. Uh, and I feel like it's different. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't speak for every Italian family, but in mine, you're grazing all day long. Yeah, so sure. yeah, take some time to make the actual dinner, but you've got like the antipasto platter and you've got mm. snacks out and you've got cookies out. Sure. It's an all day endeavor. Now so in your family, waiting for the in your family, if you're doing like, let's say meatballs with your, with your gravy, do you fry them in a pan then you leave them out for a little bit, then you throw them in. And then like people are picking at the fried meatballs from the plate. That's how it was <laughs> in my house. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That goes with the grazing. And then, you know, for the dunk, right? Everyone knows the dunk. You grab a slice of Italian bread and you dunk it in the gravy. You got it. You got to taste test it. Right. And then you're like, Oh, that tastes really good. And then every one of the in-laws starts doing it. And before you know it, like half the pot is gone. And it's like I got nothing to put on the on the pasta now. Well, there's there's another one is they deep fry their meatballs. Like we're talking mm-hmm. about bar food, a lot of restaurants they don't have the time to do it, so they drop it in the deep fryer, and mm. it's just it's not the same thing. You got to no. to pan fry it. You got to let it work for a little while. Yep. Set it out, and then you got to then you put it in. For me, I think the thing that makes my sauce different than others is when I put the meat in, it is in there all day, and it gets all the juices and all the oils and stuff from the meat into the tomatoes and i think it really just layers the flavors on top of it from there absolutely yeah i i don't want to come across as like this is the only thing i do every night uh <laughs> no because there's pizza roll night but <laughs> right <laughs> it's a special occasion and you got family coming over and you got you got a weekend and there's just no duplicating that that flavor but there's nothing wrong with having your you know your go-to 40 minute sauce or correct Taking little shortcuts here. And, and I, you know what? Here, I'm, I'm going to get banished from any Italian conversation, but my family has done jar before when you're in a pinch. If there's a lot of kids in the house, I mean, you know, people got to eat. So I may talk trash on it. Yeah. Is it my is it my go-to or my favorite? Absolutely not. But sometimes you got to do what you got to do. For, for real. Yeah. All right. So Hopefully now. Don't our I hope not. I hope not. I still got to get over there. Um, next two questions are, this goes back to the meal prepping. What is the tastiest way to cook chicken breast? And what are good sauces for chicken, broccoli, and rice? Good question. So here's how I feel um, about it. And I'll, I'm, I'm, let me give my thing and let me see what you think about it. For me, the best thing about chicken breast is it's so versatile. You can put it in anything and it can go a long way. It's true. It's true. I, I'm not big on chicken breast. Okay. I mean, obviously, you're right. It's, it's a staple. It's easy. Uh, I had to find a, a bunch of different ways to cook it because my wife loves it and the chicken where, is where it's at. Uh, I I am a sauce guy. I feel like if I'm going to do chicken breast, 
which is a little more unforgiving than if you're throwing like thighs on there because the dark meat it's already got all that built-in flavor yeah you can just walk away from the grill and not worry about it the the chicken breast you're going to wind up with either you know rubber or it's just all dried out so yeah sauce sauce will definitely save the day i like cream sauces like maybe mix in like a good citrus cream sauce don't even think I've got a, a recipe worked up for for one of those on hand, but okay. If I'm cooking chicken, yeah, it's usually going to be wings or thighs. Okay, okay. Um, my go well, not go to because it, it's kind of intensive. But one of my favorite chicken breast recipes that I've used is honey sriracha. So you mix okay. in honey and sriracha and a bunch of other seasonings on top of all that. It is it is hot. You want to talk about tasty and hot. I mean, I, when, it depends. If I'm if I'm cubing it up and it's just going to be bites, typically for like a meal prep, I can only take so much of it because it it, it wipes me out. Um, but it's so good. I'm gonna I'll have to share that with you. Uh, very good. And the cool thing is, if you're being like health conscious or whatever, get a honey substitute because you'll still get the sweet from it, but it won't be pure sugar, and it works. And when I was working with my nutritionist, you know, to the letter. That was something he suggested, and it tastes exactly the same, but with with less sugar. So that's a good one. You're right. It is so healthy. Like I, I feel like two foods that I probably crap on and I shouldn't are are salads and chicken breast. But and every time we have that for dinner, it's good. Like mm-hmm. you know, whip up a Caesar salad and throw some grilled chicken breast down there. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it, it uh, goes a long way. Caesar salad is. Sure. Yeah. yeah, Caesar salad is one of my go-tos. If I ever I'm out and that's an option, I'll get that before I get a Cobb salad or something like that. All right, um, this is a good one. I think you'll have fun with this one. What is the most ridiculous flavor combination that actually works? Oh, that actually works? That's the caveat. Yeah. Oh, my brain. <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> about 100 different flavor combinations that I see out there that I'm like, why? Why are we doing this? But that work. Oh, Uh Man, well, I don't know if it's that ridiculous. I mean, salt and vinegar, neither one of those on its own, you would think, let me like ingest this, but salt and vinegar chips are pretty righteous. Mm-hmm. Or if you put them on fries. Yeah, like that that works. Um, what else is out there? Odd flavor combinations. Well, we, we talked about this earlier with wings. It's not just like the spiciest wing. It's now I'm seeing just odd wing combinations. Yeah, yeah. Like I've seen you go to different wing places and you got like the peanut butter and jelly wing or you got something. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm Orange, not strawberry. No, I'm not interested. Now where I'm from in, in the other side of Florida, um, they, a couple of the bars have these like Frankenstein wings or their fusion wings where they take all their sauces, they put them together, they mix them up and they put them on the wings. And I got to tell you, I've yet to find one that I didn't like. It's just, Get a nice and and they have they have the mix. They could either be the spicy Frankenstein or the or the mild, but the mild still has enough zing to it that it's like okay, I'm I'm good with it because it they'll mix in like their sweet chili or their teriyaki or something, and it the balance is just there. So I I agree. I think the wings like, they they get a little crazy with them. I don't always buy into it, but that that combo I like. What I do love mango habanero, mm. mango habanero wings, mango habanero shrimp. I think that's a good combo. Yeah, that is good. And uh, you always get the, there's also like mango habanero uh, sauces too, which I tried. I had a garden going a couple of years ago and I had some habaneros and I went to the store, got some mango, tried to make my own uh, 
salsa or, or hot sauce with it. it didn't come out exactly the way i did i had the ratios off a little bit got to try it again this one is what is the grossest scariest weirdest thing you've ever ate grossest scariest weirdest um i have eaten fried tarantula oh what, yeah what did that even taste like and i'm an arachnophobe oh, like talk about uh, facing your fears not a, not a whole lot of things I'm afraid of, but for some reason, if it got you know <laughs> eight legs and crawling across my floor, mm-hmm. I'm not interested. Now you know what it would like. I hate to give a, a shout out to a, a TV show on, on cooking because I, I I don't love those. I find a lot of them like just kind of over the top, and the the host has a personality that becomes more of the show than the mm-hmm. actual food. But the the bizarre foods guy, mm-hmm. uh, Andrew Zimmern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did, did this show I saw years ago, and they're like, oh, it tastes just like crab, and who doesn't love crab? And there's a spot in Cambodia that's the spider capital of the world, and have not been to Cambodia, but through the magic of mail order, uh, hooked myself up for a birthday, and it was a self-dare. And uh, I can confirm here for everyone, does not taste like crab. <laughs> 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 it was a, a waste of some well-earned money, but wow. did it. So cross that off the bucket list. I guess, I guess I, I couldn't do it. And when we were talking about like eating bizarre foods, when you go travel, I was thinking of like, you know, ants and like just the different bugs that they eat and like they, they fry them up and they make them a delicacy. I just couldn't do it. Couldn't do it for me. It would be the blood pudding. That was weird. Yeah. It, it, it tastes it tastes like you would think. It was like dry and metallic kind of flavored. I mean, the spices were okay, but I wouldn't do it again. The I would bugs eat the... were good for me. Yeah? Like fried crickets, ant larvae. Yeah, delicious. Really? Huh. I'm going to take your word for that one. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, this guy, actually, he is not alone. This is uh, two people want to know, how do I cook hash browns? That's a tough one. So many things that are really hard to cook. I feel like the top of the list, hardest thing to cook is a freaking egg. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Like trying to make a good poached egg or even just trying to do a hard-boiled egg and peel it without mangling the thing. Like that's at the top of the list. But top 10, definitely going to put hash browns in there because mm-hmm. all of that like moisture from the potato just splatters out everywhere. So uh, recommendation, get a like a cheese shredder or cheese grater and take your potato down that way and put it all in a towel and just wring that towel out over and over again. You might even go through a couple towels, two or three towels. Just get it as dry as you can. Hot oil in a pan, drop the potatoes in and then just let it sit. Don't mess around with it. Just let it sit till the one side dries out and crisps up, flip it and you should be good. Nice. I, I've watched this, Gordon Ramsay video 10 million times. You talk about someone whose personality takes over the show, but I like his uh, personal cooking videos, like his little personal cooking vlogs. And he did hash browns and he did it. Uh, he did the cheese grater. He put it into a strainer over the sink and he just wrung them out that way with his hands. Yeah. So I haven't done it yet, but it's definitely on the list. One of these days I'll, I'll wake up early, cook brunch for the family and I will report back how that came out. And now, now I want hash browns. That's, right? That's <laughs> too. Talk about snack foods, hash browns, crispy, salty, mm-hmm. delicious. Um, all right. This person wants to know he's, he needs quick, easy, healthy meal ideas for night shift. Um, 
you know what? I pride myself on the quick and easy, not so much on, on the healthy. Mm-hmm. And if, if you go on to, to social media or you're looking at all these, these recipe blogs where you have to read through five pages of <laughs> the, you know, the, the cook's life just to get to the recipe, everything is healthy right now. And, you know, wheatgrass and kale and gluten-free and, I respect that. It's just, it's not me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, growing up in the Midwest, Italian family. Nice I'm and hearty. Like carbs, fat, bacon is your friend. <laughs> butter is your friend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Now, I uh, I worked with, like I said, with a nutritionist. He's one of the sponsors of the show. Um, the best thing about working with him was that he did not subtract food out of your diet. He just basically, it was portion control. So, what I always did, like there are sub- substitutions. Um, there's a brand called G Hughes. He does a lot of sugar-free sauces. Saved my life. He's got hot sauces, barbecue sauces, ketchups. Look into that because when you're when you're eating, you know, chicken breast or whatever it might be, or lean food, the flavor may not be there, but the sauce or the seasonings is what's there. Another one is called um, it's a seasoning. It's like a Cajun seasoning called uh, Kiss Your Mama. I think it's called or Slap Your Mama. Yeah, really good. I threw that on some jambalaya I was making. Holy shit. So spicy, so good, so much flavor. It was great. My girlfriend couldn't eat it. I I love the hell out of it. Those are two seasonings that I would throw it on chicken, on seafood, whatever, and then, you know, just go with that. If uh, if you have any other questions about healthy stuff, because we're not going to stay on that, but message me and I will give you some tips. The secret to overnight is is food prep. Because, I mean, yes. your your rhythms are already thrown off working those hours. And, I mean, I worked night shift for a very small portion of my career. So I probably don't even qualify as Graveyard Warrior. But it's hard. Like, you're eating at weird times. There's not a lot of options. I think the secret is whatever you're bringing in, like you said, portion control, food prep. So you've got something in the fridge you can go to when all the rest of your coworkers are like, hey, let's DoorDash it. Right. Or, hey, let's go to Denny's if you're working the road or whatever it might be. That was my biggest thing because when I wasn't meal prepping, it was a Denny's or an IHOP or the uh, Wawa. And then you're just carved up. And first off, you want to go right to sleep. And then it's just going to sit in your belly and just grow lard, which is good if you're cooking with it, but not good if it's sitting on your hips. So just ideas. Um, All right. This question we are going to hold on to because I I think we're going to have a great conversation about it. this one says starter suggestions. I don't know if they mean like what is something that like cooking for beginners, like let's, let's take it that way it, for yeah. someone who's trying to get into cooking and they don't want to go my route and just go straight obscure Indian food. What would be, <laughs> what, what would be a, a good starting dish for someone to start with? That just cracks me up. Like, I'm going to go for like beef Wellington, like when you <laughs> right. Gordon Ramsay recipe on day one, you know, and you had said that earlier. Uh, and I appreciate that. Thank you for the compliment, by the way, when my initial thought of writing the cookbook was for my family and for my kids. And so I tried to take extra steps of making it like a, a, a teaching manual. Maybe that's the instructor in me, mm-hmm. but a, a how to, and not in such a boring way that it, reads like the instructions to like Swedish furniture. I mean, we're not putting together a cabinet, but at least learn something about some, what do you call it? Like pro tips, kitchen hacks, whatever, make your life easier. Right. So for those that feel like cooking too intimidating, takes too long, 
probably just means your your Google search and recipes and whoever put it on the internet wants to, I don't know, inflate their own sense of self-worth by putting in ingredients we can't afford mm-hmm. and 30 steps. And because, you know, what? sometimes a jarred sauce works. Yeah. Sometimes something frozen just works. It makes it easier. And if it tastes good, then you're doing it right. Yeah, I agree. You definitely don't have to reinvent the wheel. And the big thing that these Instagram or these uh, TikTok or Pinterest recipes are so notorious for is that you need 30 pans to, to do it. And then someone's got to wash those dishes, but you just cook the damn thing. You don't want to do it. So I would say start simple and then build on that. Um, yeah. Immediately after my chicken fiasco, my Indian chicken fiasco, it wasn't a fiasco. It came out, it came out great. But then I was like, all right, I don't want to do that every single time I want to make dinner. So, and then I did, I went to just simple chicken recipes or turkey burgers or um, again, cause I was doing healthy tuna is a very versatile fish. I did that a lot. So just start simple and then build up from there. Um, just a simple chicken breast and then some seasoning is a good start. Or, or if you're, if you're Kevin chicken thighs. <laughs> All right. So I've got two whole topics we can go to. Let's, I guess we'll touch that. So I, I put in another question for the audience today um, to, we're going to rate food, but we'll do the rating in just a minute. Uh, we're, we're running. If you got nowhere to go, we still got plenty of time. Um, so they want to know what you think about whiskey. And I see you've been sipping on something all nice. I know you got quite a lot to say about it. So let's talk whiskey or bourbon or just all that for beginners, because I'm, I'm learning just as much as the people listening. Where do they start? Where do they start? Well, my, yeah, my, my journey, I started with, with Irish whiskey. I think Jameson was like the greatest gateway drug (laughs) because I felt like it was pretty smooth. And then from there, I, got into scotch and scotch is a a rabbit hole you can fall down and never come out uh and there are some amazing people out there that are super knowledgeable and have great palates and they're all over the internet and social media uh but i felt like well one don't trust everything you see on the internet and Mm -hmm. two where do these people work like how do they forward these collections that are supposedly all over social media uh i like what i like and i'm not going to pretend to be a pro at it but i find you know this bottle looks interesting let me buy it mm-hmm. i don't like it not going to get it again right let me buy right. this i like it okay that's on my list yep i and, agree <laughs> and then last year i thought i was going to get into the bourbon game thinking that would be easier than scotch and like I am a complete moron because holy cow bourbon is an even bigger rabbit hole mm-hmm. than than scotch so that's I guess my current passion hobby nice nice I um so when I went to Ireland I missed out I should have done it I kicked myself for not doing it one day I'll go back and do it but they have the Irish whiskey museum in Dublin where you Ooh. just go around and try just different types of Irish whiskeys. There's obviously the Jameson distillery didn't do that either, but I did go to Guinness. But like I said, I wasn't really big into the whiskey scene back then. Um, but the cool thing about the Jameson uh, distillery was there were different types of tours you could go to. And one that the guy that I was hanging out with over there, he went to, uh, tr- he tried a bunch of different versions of Jameson that isn't available in the U S 
So we got different tastes and different flavors and things like that. And he actually bought a bottle and ended up bringing it home. Uh, so that was really cool. Um, for me, Jameson was the gateway. The cool thing about a Jameson and ginger over there was I never had it with lime before. And that was a game changer. And then um, when I came back to the States, actually, Jameson's fine. I really like the uh, cold brew coffee variety of it. Really enjoyed that one. Nice. But as far as Irish whiskey, you know which one I really enjoyed was uh, Connor McGregor's Proper 12. I actually really enjoyed that one. Have not had that. It's actually, for me, I thought the taste was good. I thought it was a little, a little more complex than Jameson, just straight Jameson. So I, I don't know. I liked it. I gave it to a buddy of mine. He wasn't a big fan of it, but I I could drink the whole bottle and, and be perfectly fine with it. My one buddy, that's what he did. He's like, there must be a hole in the bottle because it's it's gone so quickly. It's all in the bottle. Um, so yeah, yeah. The, I'd love, I mean, the, the whole whiskey, scotch, bourbon thing fascinates me because it's, you know, I mean, it's a living, breathing thing. And mm-hmm. I mean, you're brewing your own beer now. So the variables and, you know, the, the amount that goes into crafting something like that. And then how long do you let it sit and what type of barrel and mm-hmm. what environment it is and how does the, you know, the weather interact with it? Like the nerd in me just thinks, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. But I think what ruins it for most people is again internet and social media because I feel like go buy a bottle of something that interests you and enjoy it how you want to enjoy it. Right. You want to put an ice cube in it? Great. You want it neat? Great. You want to put coke in it? That like that's your jam. Do it. But as soon as you turn on like see somebody else talking about right. like the 35 flavor points of the nose and profile and finish. And you just get lost. And I think there are some master distillers out there with amazing palates, but I feel like a lot of people are just full of shit. Yeah. They have no idea what they're talking about. I agree completely. What I did when I found different types of uh, bourbon was I went to my buddy who we have similar taste in beer. So I was like, all right, I, I know that our palates are similar as far as that's concerned. I was like, what kind of whiskey should I get? And he, he gave me one <laughs> and I misread his text. So I got a totally different one. So I never actually got what he, he recommended, but again, and I was like, all right, well, the one I got, I didn't love. So I'm going to try something else. So that's, I mean, that's live and learn and go from there. And that, that's what it is. Like it's the recommendations of, of people, you know? Yeah. And so and I'm, I'm not big into social media. Like years ago, I, I had all the accounts and I just kind of burned out on them and canceled all that. And then, you know, have having a cookbook, you need some way of, of marketing because I'm not random house. I don't have their advertising <laughs> dollars. So right. opened up an Instagram account and you know, I legitimately have made some people like some friends with people that I feel like are legit. Mm-hmm. And I can ask them, hey, tell me for real. Like this this bottle's a hundred bucks. Before I spend the money on it, don't give me like, you know, the the thirty different tasting points just tell me look you'll like it or you won't like it right right so I, I appreciate that part of the game but it's so hard if you're new and you're just sitting on the couch and like you know i want to try something where do i start like just ask your friends yeah and that's how it was with me and craft beer when i first started i remember going to like one of these like house of beers or whatever looking at the menu and i was like i don't even know what an ipa is like i whatever so i just went and i looked at all the different names and i was like all right that one sounds cool let's try that I tasted it. It was absolute garbage. I was like, all right, not that one ever again. 
but then obviously as I got to know what I like and dislike, now I'm now I'm perfectly fine with all of it. But I agree the exact same way. So can I can I piss all your followers off right now? Here we go. I don't like IPAs. Okay. Like at I, all. I feel like that's the mic drop. Everybody that's such the thing right now. Everybody's into the IPA. IPAs are I don't hate it. Yeah. I mean I'll drink it, but it's not my thing. Yeah. So for me, I can drink them. Like I, I can be in a mood and I can I can drink solely that. Or I can drink dark beer. Typically that's what I go for. But it wears on you quick. Like after a while, you get that hop taste just stuck in your mouth and you're like, all right, it's all I can taste for the rest of the night. And it's that's why I don't like it, is because like it, I feel like when you choose IPA, you're stuck with it for the rest of the night. That's all because it's hard to go from that bitter taste to like, you know, like a dessert beer, like a porter or, or a stout or whatever. So typically I'll stay like light with a wheat beer and then I'll go into that. But I agree. Or if I'm just going IPA, I'll go all night. However, I put a big butt there because um, <laughs> my girlfriend can't stand them either. And I'm always like, all right, we'll try this one. And it's typically a New England IPA because they're not as like bitter and, and hoppy and they're not like, you know, make you do that crinkle on your face. That would be my recommendation is if you, if you enjoy them, but they're kind of overwhelming or whatever, I would go with a new England because I, I, I think they're more palatable, easier to drink. So what, what are you brewing right now? <clears throat> so right now I have a stout. Nice. going Just a straight stout. Um, I've been brewing it two weeks ago is when I, did the whole mashing and, and everything. It just, we just put it in bottles two days ago. And I got to tell you, when we put it from the, uh, the fermenter to the pot where we ended up, um, filling the bottles, it, it smelled like Guinness. I was like, ah, it smells right. That's a good <laughs> sign. I was so worried that I was going to like smell like vinegar or like I did something wrong, but it smells right. So it's, uh, it's in the bottles. It's got two more weeks of like, building the carbonation up and then we're going to pop the tops and we'll see what happens. Hopefully that's exciting. That's cool. Hopefully we pop them and we drink them and we're like, wow, this is just as good as what we can get from the store. That's the dream. But I'm already kind of setting my bar. Like, all right, first attempt. If it's not perfect, we'll try another one and we'll just keep going until we get it. So, so that's, yeah, I like that. I've never, I've never done the, the brew my own beer thing. I think that would be fun. Uh, yeah. Same thing. Like a good stout. I like a good brown ale. Mm-hmm. Like yep. the, the, the the nutty ales, the hazelnut, that stuff's good. Yep, I'm a big fan of different like coffee brews, uh, coffee beers, like a nice roasted like coffee. You know, there's um over in Tampa, Cycle Brewing, they have one of their flagship beers is called Cream and Sugar, please, and it just tastes like a cup of coffee. It's just so nice. It's just a nice like, hey, I'm gonna finish the night with this because it's it's heavy but it's such a smooth taste to it as well. There's another place not too far from here called corporate ladder brewing and their flavors, like every, every brewery has listed their, you know, what this is going to taste like or whatever. They are the first, one of the first breweries I've gone to where if it says that it's going to taste like blueberries, cranberries and marshmallow, that's exactly what you taste in that order. And it's just pure flavors it's amazing. They even do like smoothie beers where they're like a little thicker because of the, like all the different juices and stuff in it. It's just great. We had a um, orange dreamsicle uh, beer there and it was in like a nice little wine glass. Oh, it was, it was, a, I don't like that taste, but it, it spot on. Well, that's, a, that's how I plan my vacations. Like wherever you go, yeah. you're getting into a different craft beer scene. Yeah. You're getting into different food culture. Like that's how I'm going to spend my time. 
Yeah, I agree. When I when we went to Nashville uh, a year ago, almost a year ago to the day, I had two things I wanted to do. I wanted to find some hot chicken, and I wanted to find what the booze scene was like. That was all I cared about. I didn't know that Nashville has their own barbecue scene, too, which I learned when I got there. But the big thing in Nashville is Hattie B's. That's like the, the big thing. And we went. We didn't go there right away. And we went to a distillery. We went to a Corsair distillery in, in Nashville. And we took a tour, tried all the different booze. That was wonderful. Can't can't say no to, to free booze. Well, not free because I paid for the tour. But And we asked the, the guy, the tour guide, we're like, all right, where do we get the good hot chicken? Like, we don't want to go to the tourist trap. We want to go to the authentic Nashville hot chicken place. And he told us, don't go to Hattie B's. He's like, that is the Toys R Us or the Walmart of hot chicken. And he gave me uh, another place totally off the beaten path burnt my face off you you like hot food and it tastes good but burnt my face off it's um uh, i can't remember i'm gonna have to i'll have to look it up and get it to you because it was it was great i don't know if you're planning on going to nashville anytime soon but yeah you just i think you just nailed the number one travel tip because i i do the same thing you go to a town and you go like you're at a hotel you check into the room there's brochures everybody's telling you here's the thing to do Go down to the front desk and ask them, hey, look, when you're done with your shift, where do you go? Mm-hmm. Like, where do you and your friends hang out? I don't want to go to the tourist part of town and you will find best food, best drinks, yep. best places. Yep. When I first went to Savannah, Georgia, which is probably number one place to visit of all time. I love going there. Um, I had met a police officer who works there through connections and we met up and he and his wife took us on a walking tour of downtown Savannah and they said this and that, this is where you eat. Don't go there. This is a nice place. Like it was amazing. It was probably the best two hour walking tour I ever been on. And it was just authentic. It was, Hey, we live here. We know what the good places are. And it was great. Another good place we went was a brewery. All I did was I was, I was in a class and I typed brewery Savannah, Georgia into Google. And this place popped up. We went, Looked like we were going into an industrial park. I thought we were going to get jumped, but my my girlfriend was with me, so I felt safe. And we went there. It was the best. It was in a warehouse. It was great. Uh, it was bingo night. We won all this free swag. It was great. All just from a simple Google search and following it. It was great. Yeah, I, I used to live in New Orleans, and so anytime anybody's like, "Hey, I'm going to New Orleans," like I tell them, "Y'all do the French Quarter. It's the thing to do. Have fun." But if you're looking for real food, like get out of there. Yeah. If it's within walking distance, you don't want it. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean, yeah, that's that's great idea. Great uh, food for thought. Now, food for thought. Oh, see what I did there. <clears throat> now the the big a big food topic we're going to cover, and then we're going to get into the rate game. Steak. Now this is this is a hot button issue for a lot of people. How what kind of cut do you like? How do you like to prepare it? What goes with it? What is it? Man, yeah, I mean, you gotta love love steak. So, all right, when I was when I was putting the book together, uh, I felt like even though it was you know it was a labor of love, it was something I was doing for myself. I like I became like a, a research scientist. Mm-hmm. I thought if I'm gonna put it in writing, I'm gonna write a recipe down, I'm gonna like put some effort into it. So uh, my wife, God bless her, I mean, she probably ate steak like every day straight for two weeks. 
then we're doing the taco chapter and it was tacos every single day for two weeks. And then we're doing the, uh, I mean, I'm lucky I'm still married, but we'd every day I was trying a different cut of steak, um, with a different, like grade of meat, different way of cooking it. Cause I really wanted to, to learn the differences mm-hmm. and everybody's got a different palate. Uh, but the way I broke it down is I feel like a porterhouse is where it's at. Cause it's mm-hmm. best of both worlds. I mean, you got the tenderloin and the strip, mm-hmm. but that's pretty hard to cook at home because you're going to overcook one side of it. Like if I'm in a restaurant, I'm going porterhouse. Okay. So my consideration was just what can you do at home that isn't going to break the bank? Because we're not going to get into like grades of Wagyu and mm-hmm. I, I got to you know sell one of my kidneys to buy a steak. <laughs> right. I just want to go to the market, get an affordable steak, come home and cook it. Uh, and for me, landed on boneless ribeye. Mm, okay boneless ribeye is good marbling great flavor uh easy to cook it's not gonna break the bank i agree that that's my go-to as well now do you prefer to cook it stovetop grill top how do you prefer to cook your steak uh i like wood fired again like pretentious asshole but uh if i got the time like it's a weekend you know i'm gonna put some logs out there because it gives it it gives it some flavor. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like rocking the smoker, but that's an all day investment. So I'm not trying to smoke the steak, but just get like a nice, like hardwood, like Oak fire going, throw a steak on there. And then you get a little smoke flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd be a liar if I said I did that every night, like propane is your friend <laughs> <You're coming laughs> right, home right. from a long day. Uh, rock the propane. Nice. So I prefer to be outside and grilling it. I like the grill marks. I like the crust. I like kind of a little burn on there. Mm-hmm. but not opposed to the the pan sear, which I feel like, and that's the Gordon Ramsay steak right there. Everybody's got to throw it in the pan and do the butter mm-hmm. basting. Yeah. that That's my go-to be, just because Gordon Ramsay is who I watch and I don't have a grill. When I get a grill, maybe I'll be in, in your school of thought. <laughs> but I mean, you, again, like you said in the beginning, you got to work with what you got, right? Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it is what it is each, to each their own. Um, now what sides do you go with a steak? Let's get, let's give it two sides. What sides are you picking to go with your steak? Um, well, I feel like if, if you're, you're going to take all the effort to work it up. You need a vegetable and a starch. Sure. So your starch is probably going to be a potato. What else you got? Rice, bread, not as exciting as some potato dishes. Uh, I like a good like red potato. Okay. I feel like that's pretty versatile, like rosemary red, like a smashed red. Nice. Uh, baked potato, to me, that's a meal in itself. I feel like that's too yeah. filling. I'm going to fill up on that and not enjoy the steak. Mm-hmm. And then if you need a vegetable, I'm not going to say mushrooms because you're going to kick me off. <laughs> so, uh, if it's a veg, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grill it. Like So grilled broccolini, grilled carrots, like chop a broccoli in half, butter it up, throw it on the grill, get some... Some good grill marks on there. Yeah. I'm a big asparagus guy. I like that with my steak. Oh, yeah. Or, uh, or Brussels sprouts. I think Brussels sprouts get a, a lot of flack because they're, they're a very strong flavor. I don't hate Brussels sprouts. Some people absolutely can't stand them. I, I'm, a, I'm a Brussels sprout guy. So I, typically if I'm, if I'm going to pair with a steak, I will do the, the grilled broccoli, like you said, um, or some asparagus or some, some Brussels sprouts. Yeah. Brussels sprouts are good. And I feel like if you're spending money on on a steak, it should taste like steak. So I'm not into marinades, injections. 
I think it's just going to be like hit it with some olive oil, salt and pepper, and mm-hmm. then cook it up, whether it's in a pan or on the grill. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I found that like super success, like when you go to a restaurant and you're spending, you're spending half your paycheck to get the, the, the good steak at one mm-hmm. of those nice places and you come home and you're like, man, it's the best steak I ever had. It's probably the same cut you can get at a grocery store and right. they've upcharged it. And their only secret is when they're done cooking it, however they cook it, they mount it up, meaning they throw a chunk of butter on there and they mm. resalt it because butter and salt just blows your taste buds up. So yeah. I do the same thing at home. I don't, like when you're done, I don't do the, the pre-seasoning or marinating. Just when you're done, butter and salt. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, that's kind of how I do it. Um, I, I do. I'm kind of interested in trying compound butter, trying to make my own compound butter and adding that to the very end and like broiling it yeah. just to get it all crispy and, and gooey. Uh, I haven't done that yet. So I will report back with that as well. Um, which is funny. I'm glad you brought up the seasoning and the marinades. Cause that was one of the questions that I had here. I wasn't even going to bring it up. Cause I, I am the same way with you. Salt and pepper is good enough for me. Um, and typically I'll throw in just a little bit of garlic or if I don't have like fresh garlic or anything, I'll just sprinkle a little garlic powder on one of the sides. It's more than enough. Yeah. All right. So, here we go. We are going to do some rate of food. So from one to, we'll go 10. We'll give it a 10. I'm going to read off some things and you tell me what you think of the food. And if you want to kind of justify your answer, you definitely can feel uh, to do so, or you, you don't have to feel obligated either. All right. The first one, we're starting ethnic. See people just like me. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to butcher it cause I'm not, I'm not Spanish, but a rose cone, Gandules y pollo. Man, I'm going to have to Google that. Yeah, I, I don't I'm think I can read that. Well, stand you by. Gotta, I know. I know. You got to give that to me in smaller words. Hold on. Hold on. Here we go. Going to Google. I know. A rose is rice. We'll cut this part out of the. <laughs> so it's it's Puerto Rican rice with pigeon peas and chicken. Here, I'm going to pull up a picture for you. Here you go. Never had it. Never had it, so can't rate it. But I'll just show it to you, just so we uh, see here. Well, I mean, it looks it looks delicious. Yeah. Never had it. All right, Chicago style pizza. I gotta rate it, huh? Okay. Um, I mean that that's pizza's tough because everybody asks you, like, oh, you like pizza? Well, what kind? They're all very, very True. different. It's like, it's like beers. You can't just say yes or no. Right. Like, I do love a, like, New York thin. You got to fold it to get in mm-hmm, your mouth, mm-hmm. grease dripping down your arm. That's rocking. Mm-hmm. Uh, wood-fired pizzas, those are big right now, and I do love the, the char on a wood-fired pizza. So deep dish, 1 to 10, I'm going to say... Seven on flavor, but I give it a two on having to sit in the restaurant for half an hour waiting for it. Nice. Okay. I'll, I'll agree on that. And I think it's, I, it's a debate I get with, within, with people about, is it even a pizza? I mean, it's, it's basically a casserole <laughs> at that point. I don't know. I mean, it's good, right. It just takes too long to, you know, yeah. you're wood fired, what, 90 seconds, if that, mm-hmm. and you're eating. Sure. Or just like you said, a nice thin New York pie or Jersey bar pie. I mean, it's just so crispy. And I, I, I'm, I like a crispy crust. I, I'm not one of these people that hate crust. I just like it crispy. So I mean, that's that's a big, 
deal maker or yeah. breaker for me. Okay, so this guy he had he hit every single one of the ones you're like, oh, I don't know if I can rate it. Sushi. Ten. 10 out of 10, yeah. I, what, yeah, I just... What, what are some roles that you love, like? Love seafood in general. Yeah. Uh, well, love seafood in general. Yeah, and, and so when I got I got into sushi, again, the, you know, the gateway is what? California roll, something that's cooked, familiar. But lately, I'm really into into the nigiri. Not big on rolls. Okay. It's like okay. the steak. I want I want to taste it. So sure. give, me, give me some fish, put it on some rice. Uh, there are some good rolls I like, but again, the, the trend lately, you go into these restaurants and it's like a kitchen sink roll. It's like mm-hmm. 40 ingredients in there. Yeah. I'm like, what, what, what am I going to taste in here? Not, not a big fan. They call it their special. Yeah, and then they're charging you for that. Yeah. But you know what? And I don't know if we're going to get into this later, but the, the big, the big question is always like, you're talking about pizza, pineapple, yes or no. Like, that's <laughs> yeah, the one yeah. people are going to debate. For me, I look at sushi, and what we're seeing, at least out here on the West Coast, is mango. Mm. Not a big fan of mango and sushi. And I feel like that's the thing right now. Mango in the roll, mango sauce, mm. mango drizzle. Uh, seems weird to me. Mangoes and fish. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's. I haven't had that, but I feel like the flavors, like the fish has such a distinct flavor and mango is a very distinct sweet flavor i feel like that doesn't that doesn't jive and yes we are going to get to pineapple and pizza in just a minute that's i knew a, it that's a big one that's a big one um <laughs> grilled cheese sandwiches oh classic like comfort food nostalgic reminds you of your childhood i think just like nostalgia reason seven mm-hmm. that's that's delicious but that's even gotten crazier too. There's whole restaurants; their entire jam is grilled cheese sandwiches, yeah, and yep. instead of just cheese and bread, they're trying to put all sorts of weird stuff. in Right, there. and then you've just got a panini at that point. Like, why? Why are we doing this? Whoa, getting technical. Yeah, I think <laughs> we found a loophole on that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, this one. I like this one. I, I even messaged the guy. Said I like this one. Hostess products. Not big on hostess products. Which isn't fair because I feel like if there was one in front of me right now, I'm going to eat it and give it a mm. ten. It's probably <laughs> right, right, delicious. Uh, but I don't, I don't crave them, so a two. Okay. What about chicken parm? Oh, brilliant! Yeah, <laughs> I mean, all the best ingredients piled on a fried chicken breast, and I do like the chicken parm. It's got to be battered and and crisped up, not just a healthy. Boneless, skinless. No, I want the crunch in there. Yeah. So eight. Okay. Um, this one is just an either or. Would you rather pizza or tacos? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Would you rather breathe oxygen or have like <laughs> nourishment in your life? That's, man, that's brutal. Pizza or tacos? Well, I, got, I, I think I got to go pizza okay oh, i hate myself for saying that but you put me on the spot i, I go yeah. pizza okay all right we'll go with pizza all right back to rating cheesecake you know i never want to give a 10 because like things shouldn't be absolute so let's right. let's say nine nine and a half nine okay. five okay okay uh do you now do you go with a plain cheesecake or do you like like a raspberry or something like that uh i go with i go with a plain cheesecake and you know like, again i'm thinking of of Growing up, you got to go to like an Italian bakery mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and get like a legit, not like a frozen Sara Lee. I mean, it's 
labor love. You yeah. Put some time into that right. thing, make sure it doesn't crack. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I agree. And I'm just now really, again, getting into cream, um, cheesecake growing up, growing up, didn't love it. Now, now I can eat it and be just fine with it. All right. Here it is. The moment everyone's been waiting for. Where do you stand on pineapple pizza? Oh, my, my internet connection is breaking up. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, it's a spotty one. Oh. I, I love it. Everyone's so up in arms over something so cosmically important. <laughs> I personally would never order pineapple on pizza. Uh, and I just had this conversation with a colleague of mine last night because I put a couple questions out on my Instagram mm-hmm. as well. And a dispatcher I used to work with said pretty much the same thing. I'm not going to order it. I don't like it. I don't see the value in it. But if I'm working night shift and it shows up, I'm eating it. Yeah. So that's the answer I'm going to go with. I agree. so here I'm oh, going to have I'm going to have my entire Instagram come back at me and like attack me. But I again I don't order it. <laughs> I don't really enjoy it. But there was a night a couple nights ago, girlfriend's daughter she will only eat pineapple pizza, so we get it for her. So that that's just what she likes. That's fine. And I came home from from a shift. I was starving. We had nothing else but the leftover pineapple pizza. So guess what? I had a slice of pineapple pizza and it is what it is. I mean, am I going to run to the pizzeria and get my own slice? No, but again, you work with what you got. Yeah. I mean, and if it's, if you're doing sausage and pepperoni and you threw pineapple on there, that, I don't know, that doesn't, doesn't work for me. That's kind of odd. Yeah. But if you're doing like the ham and pineapple, like it's a theme, mm-hmm. that's a better pairing. Yeah. I agree with you. All right. Do you know a thing or two about Taylor Ham? <laughs> uh, if you would have asked me a couple months ago, I would have said no. Uh-huh. Uh, and then you and I connected, and it was the first freaking thing I Googled. <laughs> yeah. So have you tried it yet? I now understand all that is of <laughs> processed meats in New Jersey. <laughs> but I'm not, <laughs> not qualified enough to... Uh, officially call it one or the other. Okay. That's funny. That's funny because when I mentioned food, that's the first thing everyone wants to know about. And I was like, not everyone's from Jersey. Not everyone's a freak like me and a couple other guys. So, but I appreciate you. That's what I love about the food is it's so regional. Yeah. And it's changed so much over the last couple of years and and people have exposure to, to see new things and, and try new things and, Again, like growing up, a taco was a hard shell, ground beef, shredded lettuce, and jarred salsa. Yeah. And then, you know, wind up moving to California and working out there for a number of years. And I got a taco one day and it's like, holy shit, this is the greatest thing I've ever eaten. Mm-hmm. Like, why is this? <laughs> why am right. I just finding out about this now? Right. Yeah. And growing up, I didn't like the ground beef taco. I was like, this is like one of the worst meals we could have, mom. Like, what are we doing? And then again, I got exposed to different types and different seasonings and everything. Uh, Like I'm a big fan of like a chicken taco or a steak taco or a shrimp taco. I still don't like ground beef tacos. I don't know why it just doesn't do it for me. I'm with you. I think burned out on them in my youth. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think it just, I think when I smell homemade tacos, when I smell the seasoning, over the ground beef. I'm like, oh, nope, don't want it. Sorry. Just too many times. Ooh, growing up. Um, what do you think about beef stroganoff? Oh, that's a great dish. 
That's a great deal. I got to put that in my next book. I got to work up a recipe for that. I don't yeah. have one. Okay. All but right. that's easily another seven or eight on the rating scale. Love that. Okay. Um, okay. Now we're getting a little uh, ethnic in a different way. Matzo ball soup. Like it. Okay. Like it. Again, big big fan of, of different cultures and different foods and try everything once or twice. Uh, don't have it all the time. Don't crave it. We'll give it a six. Okay. What about Kreplach? Another another Jewish one. I don't you. know what that is. What, what is that? I think it's a Jewish dumpling. Hold on. Let me look it up. Okay. You had me a dumpling, so I'm just going to give it an 11. Okay. <laughs> yes, it is. Hold on. I'll show you a picture of it. Yeah. Whatever you call it, dumpling, pod sticker, empanada, samosa, I'm all in. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I feel like but, every culture has a version of something stuffed in dough. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would get down on those. <laughs> all right. And stop sharing there. What about um, steamed blue crabs? Oh, 10. Yeah. Sucker for seafood. Mm-hmm. There's a, you know, that's another regional one is you're out on uh, like what, New England, Maryland, and you're getting into that crab. And then you go up to Pacific Northwest, whole different type of crab. Mm. Then you're in Bay Area, California, a whole different type of crab. Like wherever you are in the country true, has some awesome version of crab and they're all freaking good. Yeah. And then you've got like the Maryland crab and my brother-in-law is from yeah. Maryland. Every time we pass through Baltimore. Cover that thing in Old Bay, crack a beer, 10. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Um, the la- Well, this one's just another either or. Would you rather a red sauce or a white sauce? Ooh, uh, on pasta, I'm traditional, so red sauce. Okay. And... What would be a good um, – like chicken alfredo, I and mean, that's a white sauce. That's pretty good. Like that shrimp sure. alfredo, that's good. I had to choose one red sauce, but I think there's – two or three recipes in the book for white sauce. So maybe I'm selling myself short. <laughs> okay. Very good. Very fair. Uh, and then pesto. I feel like pesto doesn't get enough credit too. I think pesto is a very tasty sauce too. Yeah. Pesto is good. Um, same with what did uh, chimichurri. That's like mm-hmm. the big thing right now. Yeah. I just bought like, a jar of it. Actually. I can't wait parsley. to. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good stuff. All right, Kevin, this is going to we're going to start getting ready to wrap here. I think we had such an amazing conversation about food. Um, all right. Here's the last question that has to do with food and we're going to wrap it up from here. This is a question I ask everybody. What would be your perfect go-to day of food? We got breakfast, lunch and dinner and we'll do a dessert. What would be your perfect day of eating? So walk through a dish for each one of those, like yes. what's the perfect yep. breakfast and then the perfect lunch? Correct. Okay. Perfect breakfast. Um, I do like um, Benedict's. I think those mm-hmm. are pretty good. Like okay. like English muffin. You got the hollandaise sauce on the egg. Ho- hollandaise sauce. Put it in a glass. Give me a straw. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's how I want to go out. That's some good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just had a really good Benedict. Instead of the English muffin, it was on a biscuit. Oh. Like biscuit and hollandaise that was pretty rocking lunch um yeah buffalo wings cheese curds ice cold beer that sounds pretty good lunch yeah that sounds great uh dinner 
Uh, as much as I like sushi, that's labor intensive. So I think the perfect dinner is going to be like shrimp or crab, something seafood related, but easier, easier to either grill or, or steam up. And as much as I want to like die by hollandaise sauce, you can't go wrong with garlic <laughs> butter either. Like mm -hmm. dip in any seafood and some nice garlic butter. That'd be good. And then nice. you got to have a dessert to finish it all off. Cannoli tiramisu. Nice. Perfect. All right, Kevin, this was great. I had a great time just talking food with you and kind of throwing some things back and forth. I feel like we could probably do this for another four hours. Um, if someone wants to get in contact with you, they want to copy your book, anything like that. How do they get in contact with you? How do they find you? Well, the, the book is called badass cookery and general shenanigans. Uh, <laughs> general shenanigans. Cause like if you work in public safety, you've already got that warped sort of sick sense of humor. And I feel like there's a lot of little Easter eggs hidden in the book that only like public safety is going to pick up on. So try to make it fun. Uh, there is a website, badasscookery.com. Uh, book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the other general places that people buy books now. Uh, stood up an Instagram account. Not really my, my thing, but it's another way to, to link to the website. Awesome. Everybody check out Kevin's stuff. Check out the book. I've got my copy. It's just great. It's great. And, uh, and we're going to start using some of those recipes as well. Kevin, thank you so much for joining me. I had a great time. Yeah, this, this is super fun. I'm out on the West coast, so I'm starved right now. I got about a thousand things I want to cook after this conversation. So, awesome. uh, thanks for the ride. Absolutely. No problem. And uh, everyone listening, stay tuned. We will be right back. And that's it, folks. That concludes today's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Go pick up a copy of Kevin's book. It was it, It's so cool, man. And I, I really hope you guys appreciated something a little bit different. Things are weird. Times are tough. You know, I'm tired of everyone in the, in the media saying, oh, these are unprecedented times. Like, dude, tell me something else. Tell me shit I don't know. But anyway, we went funny. We went silly. We're talking food. And uh, Kevin was a great guy, man. Uh, hopefully, if you guys enjoyed it, let me know. The feedback, I, I need the feedback. One, I'm self-conscious and the feedback makes me feel good about myself. And two, it lets me know what topics to continue or do more of. So if you want to hear Kevin come back on and we can talk about more food, we can talk about more drinks, whatever, you know, let me know. And uh, you guys know how to reach me at 108 underscore memes on Instagram. 108 memes at gmail.com is actually the official email address. And then I also have the 108 podcast at gmail.com. That's for the podcast specifically, but I've run them both. Check out 10-8-memes.ecwid.com. That's the merch store. What else do we have? Um, next week, we have Huge Fat Loser. Aaron Lohman coming on the show. He is a sergeant at the NYPD. We're going to talk about why police uh, police culture is so bad, so toxic, 
And what can we do to be better people so we can be better police officers? The music today was a lot different than usual. We kind of spiced it up a little bit. Um, the intro song, go check out Anthem Music by or Anthem Anthem Writer Music. He's on Instagram. Use the code 108 for 20% off on your own uh, custom-made songs. Then we had, like I said, General Sal's Fury with Serial Time. Then we had Blood and Whiskey, Dropkick Murphy. And we're going to end with the Homeless Gospel Choir. I heard these guys open for Frank Turner uh, years ago. Great show. Uh, and their song, Normal. Really cool. I'm going to play it all the way out. Thank you guys so much for listening. Take care of each other. Stay safe. We're going to see you next week with Aaron Lohman. Take care of each other. Stay safe. See you next time. 10-8. Out. And now he looks better than ever. Inside my car and I start